Lodge Podcast. there Norwich City fans, you've been seeing and hearing a lot of me recently. We have been doing Twitter spaces, live talk-alongs, live-streamed podcasts. There's no end to the Hodgie the Hat content train at the moment. You'll also probably have seen that I've launched a new podcast with my mate Craig Easton, former footballer and football coach at professional level. Me and Easton are doing a thing called Hack and Tackle. And I've just posted a clip, basically two Muppets talking about football. That sounds about right. Two grumpy old men. Talking of grumpy old men, I welcome one of my oldest friends in the commentary business, Mr. Mark Rodden, is joining us. Now, Mark, he's a man that hails from the Emerald Isle as well. So he knows all about Andromo, Bamadeli and Adam Ida. How are you doing, Rodders, my man? Yeah, it's been a while, eh? Not bad. Enjoyed watching Norwich. Too long, mate. Well, that's the other thing. So you were commentating uh, on Irish TV, and I'm sure you did a better job than... Well, Peter Drury's a good commentator, but they had... Right, this was their balance to the panel on Amazon Prime, right? They had Alan Shearer. They had uh, Les Ferdinand sort of doing the analysis afterwards. Alan Shearer was in co-coms, and uh, Eniola Aluko. So basically, and the only Norwich City representation was provided by Simon Thomas, whose job is to remain neutral. Yeah, so yeah. answer me that. Like, I mean, what are they playing at? Did you have a more representative thing going on in Irish TV or were you on your Todd? Yeah, so it's Premier Sports uh, have a lot of Saturday games over here for Irish TV only or for Irish an Irish audience only. Uh, and they mm-hmm. have a good few more in December. Um, and actually, Chris Sutton was on the coverage here last night. Oh, cracking. So, uh, what's, what's, Nor- he, what's he like? Norwich um, were you, aye, Chris Sutton is obviously Norwich legend, me and you both Celtic men as well, I don't know if I'm allowed to reveal that actually, um, but I, well, I'm a Celtic man and you're obviously <laughs> an Irish guy, so uh, in, in terms of that though, what, what what's he like, what's, what's he like, can I, what, what do people think of him in Ireland, Sutton, is he is he someone that's popular over there or what's the, yeah, what's the deal? I think he is, um, it's hard to know really with this uh, pandemic and everything, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's... He shoots straight, doesn't he? You know, so that he um, does, and he doesn't miss I, the target. I, no, he usually doesn't. He usually doesn't. So, um, no, he's I think he's refreshing. He can be a look maybe over the top for some people sometimes, but I'd prefer that than someone just being pretty bland in their punditry. He's he's been honest, he's he's been there, done that, and I think we're all better off for that. That he's uh more forthright in his views. No, totally with you on that, my man. Now, if anyone is watching this, if you let us know in the comments, just say hello. If you've got any questions that you want me to ask Mark, then I'll be happy to try and do that. And Mark yourself, um, you'll see a tweet's gone up with a live stream of this. If you want to give that a wee retweet for your own channel, mate, then go for it. But I want to start off talking about what you thought. So you're obviously an impartial commentator last night. You're watching Norwich City. Obviously, the start of the season's been pretty dreadful under Daniel Farker, but... Dean Smith's been appointed. Looks like somewhat of a corner has been turned. I'm not going to say that we're fully around the bend yet, but it does seem like at least the the vehicle is moving in the right direction. What was your assessment of Norwich City based on last night and since Dean Smith's come in on a more general basis? 
I suppose you could look at it both ways. Should they have taken six points from their last two matches? Maybe. Um, had a lot yeah. of chances against Wolves. Um, you know, against 10 men for 80 minutes. That's the worry for Norwich, isn't it? That, you know, lowest scorers in the league. And you can, you can see why last night, I think, even though you always say it's hard to play against 10 men at times. And to be fair to Newcastle, they were they were well set up um, once they lost Kieran Clark. But... There's, mm-hmm. there's been a massive difference, I think, since uh, Dean Smith came in. He's, he's given everyone a lift. He brought back in Billy Gilmore, which I think is uh, pretty important because such you know, a no-brainer, mate. No, nah, he's bossing. He's bossing England at Wembley, and then he's he's not getting in at Norwich. It didn't really make sense to me. Um, I know he was used a bit earlier in the season. There's different system changes and stuff, but of all the young players that you have, he's got to be the one that's that's surely. Um, got to be playing every week especially scotland fingers crossed um apologies to any welsh austrians ukrainians watching but uh it'd be nice if scotland got to the world cup and he he's kind of dragged them or has been one of the men that kind of dragged them there you know, i did scotland israel a couple of months back or whenever it was and he was great in that game which one we've played israel about 900 yeah, times sorry, yeah. so i think i've done about two of them over the years as well but uh no i did the the, the comeback win and that really Mate, what a game that was. Uh, you need to send me your call for that for, for that goal at the end that bounced off McTominay. I'll yeah, need to hear that. Uh, <clears throat> crack and finish. If, if only Josh Sargent had done something similar uh, from that kind of range yesterday in the first half. Well, right. Um, Do you know what? The, the main focus is going to be to talk about the Irish lads because that's um, obviously hail for the same country as you. And I'm sure you can provide probably some insight that, that, that we might not already have on those two. But it's worth the listeners knowing as well that you are also a seasoned veteran of covering the Bundesliga in the past um, for various outlets. So on that basis, you have seen quite a lot of Josh Sargent. You've seen quite a lot of Milo Rashica and probably a number of people who have come and gone from Norwich over the over the past few years, especially with the influx under Daniel Farker. But concentrating on those two specifically, um, we'll start off with Sargent because he he obviously featured last night. Rashica didn't. What's your opinion on Josh Sargent? Do you think that he can come good, even if he doesn't turn into the like twenty goal a season striker, which I don't think he ever will be? Yeah. But do you think he can even be a five goal a season man in the Premier League and be someone who? Because what I heard was from from people, other people, not 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 yourself necessarily, is at his best. He could be like a kind of sort of not not quite the same bracket of quality, but a kind of dirt cout type of player. What he did for Liverpool, where he was really hard working and industrious in the right hand side. Like maybe Josh Sargent could provide that same kind of role for Norwich City. But the difference is Dirk Cout, even though he wasn't a great goal scorer, he did have quality, made good decisions, played the right passes in and around the box. Josh Sargent in and around the box, both trying to provide chances and trying to score them, just looked like he didn't have a clue last night. And to be honest, you look at the, the miss against Brighton, you look at what he's done in his Norwich City career so far, the hold-up play's been there at times, but not enough for it to be enough to keep him in the team. And I think the only reason that he is getting as much game time as he is is because obviously the fact that he can slot between playing wide and then maybe if there's a change of system, you can shift him up front without having to make a substitution. I think that's why he gets in the team. 
but his quality in and around the box is just not good enough for me. But what's your opinion on him, not just based on last night or, or what he's done in Norwich City, but the, the kind of wider plethora of Josh Sargent that you've seen? Yeah, it's a, it's a funny one because um, I'm still doing bits and pieces for the Bundesliga and um, would have seen a, a fair bit of him over the last three seasons, I think, for, for Werder Bremen. And if you look at him, um, I'll come back to it, maybe the comparison with Adamida, just in terms of their development. He's about a year ahead. He's 21, um, started very young. I think he was the fourth youngest goalscorer for the US. I saw him in Dublin when they played here and he was pretty good, actually, in that game. He played up top and his hold up play was quite good. And in fairness to him, he's playing for a re... I can't describe how poor Werder Bremen have been in the last couple of years. Um, they got relegated last season, which tells you one thing. They scraped uh, a playoff another year. Um, they've been one of those teams that has just been getting by somehow until um, last season. And um, so it, it's hard, you know, and especially a young attacking player. But he's got... He's coming to... Uh, England off the back of 60 appearances in the last two seasons in the Bundesliga 45 starts so that's a lot of experience for a 21 year old and I know you're making the comparison with Dirk out I wonder what Dirk out I can't remember offhand what he was like at 21 um, but uh, mm. I imagine all that all the all the little things that you can improve on the decision making all that kind of stuff comes a little bit later um, yeah and I don't think you're ever you're ever gonna you're never gonna have an issue with Josh Sargent in terms of work rate because he just he just puts in a shift and he did last night as well. Like you say, is he gonna add more in attack, which is what he's there for, really? I mean, he's got two goals in the League Cup. I remember that was an absolute nightmare that the uh, Bournemouth keeper had in that game. So he got a helping hands and a few Norwich players got a helping yeah, hands. Yeah, it's one. true. But Bundesliga to Premier League, is he gonna make a difference? Is he gonna come in and start? And like you say, get five goals or whatever. We've seen it actually with, with similar players who have a lot more experience, even guys on show last night like Joe Linton or even Miguel Almiron who came on for Newcastle, you know, an absolute star in the US. Joe Linton had one great season for Hoffenheim, lots of Champions League experience. And then look, the Premier League is different, especially when you're a young guy coming through. Um, so that that's the big question for me with Josh Arzant. Um, is he going to push on? Can he can he be a five ten goal Premier League attacker? I'm not so sure. I'd be a lot more confident that Rashica is going to be uh, much more effective, faster for Norwich. But put it that way, it makes sense. He's a bit older, so yeah, you have to give the sergeant a bit of time. But Rashica. Well, well, what about the injury proneness of Rashica? Because we've seen. We've, I mean, I know that's been something that's dogged him a little bit, and obviously he's. he's ended up unable to play last night and it was just as it was looking like he was properly gonna gonna blossom a wee bit and he looked like the first of the summer signings that was truly gonna have an impact then that happens is that something that Norwich City should be concerned about that injury track record that does he seem like a player that that could be a problem that persists maybe follows him throughout his career based on on the litany of injuries that that, there have been so far in in spells anyway Definitely. Unfortunately for him, he's he's missed big games. I remember Kosovo were in the running to um, to qualify uh, for the Euros. They, they had a chance, and he, I did a few of their games mm-hmm. later on, and he was missing. Um, he was missing two seasons ago for Werder Bremen. I remember he missed it. He missed a few crucial games, and then came back and basically more or less saved them himself with his goals late in the season. 
Um, I think it was 14 starts last term. You know, so he got, I think, nine and eight in the other two full seasons before that, three goals last season. Um, that is the worry if, if, you know, especially if you're a winger and you're quick and you're depending on your speed and getting away quickly and you start to pick up these injuries. It happens to loads of guys. Look at Neymar, you know, keeps getting these ankle injuries and yeah, problems that, that really hold him back. Mm-hmm. So I think that's got to be key because you look last night at Norwich um, against 10 men for a lot of the game, they didn't do much and they were lacking, even with the change of system after halftime, they were lacking some sort of spark. You're hoping you're getting it from Chollis maybe or Sargent just to give Pookie, that's the other thing, Pookie needs support. He needs supply, which Rashita can definitely provide, but he needs support as well. He can't be the guy who's scoring every week. Like that happened two seasons ago. He got eleven Premier League goals, and Norwich got nowhere near safety. So who who are the players in that Norwich team that are going to help out and chip in with goals? Rashita is. Uh, you you lead us for sure. You lead us quite well on to one of the Irish boys. Then Adam Ida came on, got a a bigger stint than he's had in a while. I think it's the the longest he's been on the pitch. I, I mean, this is an anecdotal thing. I've not checked it, but since the Spurs game, maybe, the the last game before lockdown in the Cup, and he was really good that night. And Adam Ida came on, and the first thing that he did, uh, or the first memorable thing that he did, was he got the ball on the edge of the box. He tried to get out his feet quickly and get the shot away. And it was just, it was almost like the diagrammatic opposite of what Josh Sargent would have done in that situation. He'd probably have been a lot more ponderous and, I don't know, stumbled over it, whatever. I think Adamida is a player that has a lot of potential, but the problem for Adamida is in the fits and starts that he's getting, he doesn't seem to be making enough of an impact, uh, definitely under Daniel Farker, to sway the manager's hand. Obviously, the the the, the explosion onto the scene with the, the hat-trick against Preston was quite something. He's not followed that up. In terms of his, his potential, though, having spoke to insiders at the club, um. I know for a fact that they're still very, very, very high on him. And Norwich City, no talent. That's one thing I will say. They they do no talent. And even though they, they work within their means, they, they, they do very well in terms of recruitment and in terms of progressing academy players to the first team. That was one of the great successes of Daniel Farkas era, 11 academy players getting debuts, one of whom was Adam Ida. What's the perception of him in Ireland? Because I've seen, contra- I mean, you can't go by sort of trial by social media, but when, when Ireland play, it says a lot that you're putting, maybe, did, did he make his debut up front plowing a lone furrow when he was 19? Is that, am I, am I right in that? Yeah, that says a lot in itself, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So he, he, he was very good uh, at under 21 level, so... Ireland went from Mick McCarthy to Stephen Kenny, who was the under-21 manager. Um, that, got that's quite a got culture change, isn't it? Final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, that story's complicated, but I think uh, I, I'd be a big fan of Stephen Kenny and from knowing what he's done uh, over the years in Ireland with Dundalk, getting them to the Europa League. Yeah. And um, so, so, so is the nation of Luxembourg here. Yeah, well, you know, as a, I'm, as only, a nice, I'm only jesting, mate. 
a nice spat between the two managers um, after the last game. That was fun. Um, they, yeah, they're really well, dirty, by the way. Scotland played them in the build up to the Euros, and they're like proper dirty football. You can put team. it about, eh? You can put it yeah. about, yeah. No, especially so, those two brothers, the brothers Grimm. I forget their, their actual surnames. But... There's three of them. Till, Sebastian, Is that... and Olivier, yeah. Ah, right. Well, I only, I only spied two of them because I wasn't really. I mean, at that point, I was just focused, zeroed in on whatever Scotland were doing. But I, um, so I, no, sorry, carry on about Adamida. No, so so Kenny came through, um, became the twenty-one manager. Had a great under twenty-one team. If you look at, I was just talking about it earlier. If you look at the Irish under twenty-one team compared to the senior team. Like you could drop some of those senior players down, Ida Obama, Obama, Delhi, sorry, and. <laughs> And we'd have an unbelievable under twenty one team, um, so all of those guys can still play, which which tells you how how good their progress has been, how quickly they've been promoted. But he he was part of a front three with Troy Parrott, who's at Spurs on loan at MK Dons now. Aaron Connolly at Brighton, player whose career has stalled unfortunately a little bit. Um, electric front three. So again, that's a that's a system that would suit him. He knows it inside out. The system that Norwich have played at times, but obviously the difference is Tamu Puki is playing through the middle for Norwich. He's a, he's a hard man to dislodge. So Ida in Ireland was given a start and it was at a time when Stephen Kenny just threw all the young players in and at a time when we were getting hit to an unbelievable degree uh, by COVID. And I'm not talking about the country, that's one thing, but the squad just had an mm. incredibly bad look between close contacts, COVID cases, whatever. So that was one reason he was promoted, but also Stephen Kenny's a big believer in him. And it has taken time. It's definitely taken time. And obviously the situation at Norwich hasn't helped him. But um, the last few games, he's he's definitely, um, he's come on and he's starting, like he's got 13 caps at senior level. He's still only 20. Um, which says a lot, and a lot of those are that, starts. That's more well. than he has first-team starts for Norwich City, yeah. and it's, in terms of first-team appearances, it's not many more than that. Exactly. So it tells you, like, it tells you, first of all, that Kenny absolutely has, has faith in him. He hasn't scored yet, but to be honest, they had such a bad run. You mentioned the first the first game against Luxembourg was a nightmare. We lost 1-0 at home to them. Not a bad side, Luxembourg, to be fair. Um, but... You end the campaign with all these guys coming through, Homer Pamidelli as well. We'll talk about him, obviously, having a great time with Ireland. And Ida, man of the match against Azerbaijan, um, played really well away in Portugal up against Pepe and Ruben Diaz. And In uh, fairness, that Portugal team plays completely the wrong way for the players that it's got. It's mental. I do the Portuguese league most weeks uh, on the World Feed and... Uh, yeah, it's madness. We shan't digress, but that's um, that's an interesting topic in itself, mate. A couple of errors on Portugal and how they messed this up royally. But um, no, to be fair, but still, Ida's coming up against these lads. And I do think the last few months, you can see the difference at international level anyway. He's, he's still, the problem is he's still searching for a goal, you know, and I think if he gets a goal, He'll start pushing on, um, whether do, that's do at club level almost, or international level. Do, do you think almost the the fact that there's so much confidence in him, and he, he does seem to be the man at international level, if he can get a goal, put in a really good performance for the Republic of Ireland, it could have a galvanising effect potentially on his club career? Definitely. It's, ha it's happened with a lot of our players, to be honest. And it happens with, you look through our, our kind of level, 
Scotland, Ireland, th- those that kind of level. Although you're a bit further ahead than us now, to be fair. Um, Peaks and troughs, yeah, mate. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, this is it. But you get guys who excel at, at international level, and all of a sudden, you know, they get big moves. Even Lyndon Dykes or someone like that is is a good example with Scotland, who's you know got his move to England, doing well in the championship. Um, but it's I, I think that's all that miss, that's missing. The last couple of matches for Ireland, I think Ida was you can see it's it's weighing on him a little bit. He was snatching at chances and but he's getting them. And he's as I say, he 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 is, is I think is he's filled out a bit more, he's bulked up a little bit. I've noticed and, that. Yeah, and and, 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 and the instincts they well, Mark, like that that's yeah. the thing for me. So if you look at Josh Sargent, I don't think there's a goal scorer's instinct anywhere near him. I, I don't even know if there's an attacker's instinct near like I have got serious reservations about him. Uh, I, I though gonna give him time obviously to, yeah. to settle and, and you're not gonna judge a player at this point necessarily in terms of condemning them to the, the, the scrap heap. But Adam Eda comes on, right? There was that other chance where he kind of got in the sort of just inside the right channel, the right-hand side of the box, and the angle was closing down, and he knew the way that a good striker knows. He thought, the only way I'm going to beat the keeper here is with power, and he yeah. rattled it, and it was it was wide the target, and I think a wee bit over, but what he did is it was the right idea. It was the right yeah. attempt at a finish. Now, yeah. that for me shows where... Uh, that, that, that for me shows why he is now in my opinion, should be second in the pecking order behind yeah. Temu Puki rather than Josh Sargent. Regardless of experience, anything like that, Adam Ida has, has the makings of a really good goal scorer and potentially a Premier League goal scorer. Josh Sargent doesn't. I'd agree. Well, look, I, I personally, call me biased, whatever, I think Ida's um, ceiling is a lot higher than Josh Sargent's. And, How high uh, is it? That, look, that's hard to look... This is the big thing with him. Um, we're judging him on 49 minutes and eight appearances this season in the league until last night. Do you know, I watched I watch the Leeds game and... Couldn't tell a man was commentating a game last night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you throw, Adam, you throw Adam Eda on for two minutes or whatever it was, three or four minutes against Leeds and expect... Like, that's... I mean, it was nonsense. Daniel Farker right? lost his way completely. But I think last night he got a good crack of the whip and he, he, he showed did. enough to get... To get another go, you know, I not think, to start, think, but to get another go. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think he made that was first time in a while I've seen him for an arch where he's made an impact, but it's because he had a bit of time. But I do think he held it up a bit better. His movement for one of those chances you're talking about was good, running across yeah. the line. Um, and even for the goal, and and this was something we discussed on commentary, not necessarily to do with Ida, but just with Norwich in general, they weren't getting anyone in the box in the first half. And with the goal, they have the extra bodies forward. Yes, they're pushing Newcastle are tired. You have the extra man, but Ida's behind Dubravka. Dubravka makes a mistake, not necessarily because Adam Ida's waiting there, but because there is another Norwich player in the area that he's half That's aware exactly of. That's exactly it. That, it, right? It's, a, it's so, a good point about last night's game. The, the only good bit of movement from an attacking player in the first half was when Cholis made that little run. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that was another one that could have potentially been VAR because it came up off the hand. But um, mm. obviously, these decisions don't always go Norwich City's way. That's something that any Norwich fans watching will be well aware of. Um, t- time is pressing on, mate. So I want to move on to talk about Andrew Omobama Delhi. Now, he has been the unluckiest man in the Norwich City changing room since Dean Smith has come in because he came off the bat. Me, me and you were actually texting earlier on about the, the, the idiotic. 
um, analysis in, in match of the day when, when they covered the Leeds game, where they basically tried to pin a lot of the blame on Omobama Delhi, I think, and the Sky coverage as well. Can't remember who the pundit was. Harry Oh, Jamie yeah, that's right. It was Jamie, Jamie Redknapp. I mean, he's, he's morphing into his dad anyway, so it's an easy <laughs> easy mistake to make. Um, used to be a good-looking guy as well. Now, but, um, Jamie Redknapp was was kind of saying the same stuff, and I was looking at it, and I, I actually put a Twitter poll out. I was like, because I thought, am I, am I like, getting this wrong? And the vast majority of Norwich fans were like, no, Hodgie, he's been good. And the yeah. thing is, he was playing a weird role. It was like a hybrid between a left centre back and a left back. And he was up against the best player in the field, a guy that was a good couple of levels above anyone else in the field. That was a championship game. And then Rafinha was a Champions League player in that championship game. And Omo Bamadeli did, like, I mean, he, he stuck to the task well and marshaled them for the most part really well throughout that game. And he had the one moment of quality of Rafinha, and it was the difference between the two teams. You couldn't pin that on Andrew Omobamadeli. Against Brentford in Daniel Farker's final game, another really good performance for the young man. And I look at what he was doing, and, I mean, Norwich City have brought some good defenders through in recent years. Obviously, Max Aarons is still there. Jamal Lewis has moved on. Ben Godfrey's a good player as well, albeit he, he originally sort of came from York City, but um, Norwich City really moulded him into the into the player he was. But I, I look at Omo Bamadeli, and for me, uh, Max Aaron's a different player, and he's obviously playing as a wing-back. But in terms of the, the, the two centre-halves, I think he... Ben Godfrey's an interesting one, because he's a ball-playing centre-half, but he's one of those players that you could deploy in three positions. You could play him as a defensive mid, you could play him as a right-back, or you could play him as a centre-back. But he's not... Absolutely amazing at one of them. Andrew Omobamadeli could be a really brilliant centre half. Definitely a Premier League player, at least like a an Everton kind of level player, maybe even better for my money. What about you in terms of his ceiling and what's the perception of him in Ireland? How good do people think he is and how good do you think he is? Yeah, I, th- I think he's brilliant. And um, yeah, as you say, we were discussing the match of the day analysis which would never have happened again it could be biased. it would never have happened with an english player a young english player would never have of course happened. it wouldn't just absolutely went after him uh, as if oh, he was the only problem with that day against leeds no i know see another scenario see if he was on loan from like spurs right yeah would never happen either yeah, even if he was yeah. irish would never yeah. happen and 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 it was barely pointed out that he's you know He's playing completely out of position. To me, uh, uh, you know, against one of the best wingers in the Premier League right now, like you say. But to me, it was. And, and interestingly, I was looking at the Norwich sites, and they were a bit like you. They kind of said, "No, he, he did well enough. Like he had his difficult moments." But so was he absolutely amazing in that game? Of course, he made mistakes. No, but he, he was. It was certainly not that bad. Um. So in one way, you're kind of going, why was Daniel Farker playing him there? That's absolutely crazy. But on the other, you're going, well, Farker trusted him, you know, and, and he would have known that he's up against Rafinha and, and backed him to to go there and do a job. And obviously he got his goal in that game, which which will give him great confidence. Um, I, th- I, th- I think the difference between him and Ida is, which is a bit strange saying it because Ida has, is a year older and hasn't played that much either, but... Omar Bamidele is is has been getting those games. He started at the back end of last season for Norwich, so his confidence is high anyway. And mm-hmm. 
it's slightly different playing even in an Ireland team that's doing a lot of defending and has good experienced players around him compared to playing up front for Ireland when our attack and play at the start under Kenny was all over the shop and we we're what was it six seven games without a goal you know it's crazy and um, so how high is his ceiling I, I, I think he's I think he's a fantastic player and he has so much potential because he's so composed on the ball and just but he defends such, as well, such a cool customer no no exactly and, and that's the thing so he played um he came on in Portugal. We lost two Ronaldo goals in the last second of the game. We probably should have won uh, away in Portugal a couple of months back. And that was his first appearance, came on, barely put foot wrong. Serbia mm-hmm. at home. And Serbia, fantastic side. And once once they have a, a first 11 out, new manager, completely different side to the one Scotland beat, i got to say, um, to get to the Euros. But they topped the group. Brilliant. And, and by the way, like anyone that's not paying attention to the championship this season, Mitrovic is yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy. Class, class international striker for sure. And um, so he, he he started. That was his first start, and absolutely incredible performance. He would have got man of the match only Gavin Bazunu, who's on loan at um, very good uh, goalkeeper. Orsmith, fantastic performance in that game. But um, after it, everyone's kind of saying, "Oh, Vamidele." He's a bit like Paul McGrath, isn't he? Just the way he plays, like he's so calm. Like you say, wow, just just Rolls Royce kind of defending, right? That that's the vibe you get. And, uh, now, I mean, know. if Irish people are saying that, that's that's crazy high praise because well, I Paul, know Paul, what the nation thinks. Of Paul, Paul McGrath. McGrath tweeted it afterwards. He said, "Like Andrew Bamidelli, take a bow. That was incredible." You know, so um, we're getting very. I excited, love that. By we? the way, I'm buzzing with that comment, and I wasn't aware of that. That's great. Yeah, exactly. The funny thing is, he was born a few years after Paul McGrath retired, so he doesn't even have an awareness of the comparison. Just how, <laughs> how, uh, how much of a, a god we think Paul McGrath is. But um, you know, he's he, he's a funny one because he was he was a. It, it strikes me not having seen him as you know a kid growing up. It strikes me as a kind of Virgil van Dijk scenario that he was almost finding it too easy without kind of realizing, and you're kind of going, "How did he only get picked up now?" Mm. So I'm talking about as a kid, um, and didn't really get picked up by representative sides, but the club he was with, Leeds United, not a massive team at the time. Um, Josh Jersey, who's uh, in the under 23s at Norwich, was a teammate. Um, yep. They had full faith in him, and they were kind of going like, "He's he's he's not getting picked up, but like we can see he's that good, and he's he's just he was always had that composure on the ball, calmness on the ball, and they encouraged it. And it's so different to see that, especially for an Irish defender, I suppose. Um, well, I mean, I, you Richard Dunn used to defender, play at the back. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Look, so. <laughs> but it, no, no harm means, in the guy, but like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a yeah. different type of player, isn't it? Absolutely, but the other thing is he, he he played as a striker, as a midfielder, and then he dropped back. I think when he was thirteen, around. So, so that's quite similar to like Dutch players, isn't it? Because Dutch exactly. players, one of the things they do is they make them play all over the field so that they can get an appreciation yeah. for that. That's how you end up with a defender like Virgil Van Dijk yeah. and Omo Bamadeli. Shades of that going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that that's that's why I made the Van Dijk comparison because the idea was that. He didn't get picked up by Celtic or a bigger club by Celtic or a more uh, club with bigger financial power than Celtic, say, um, because he'd kind of 
just coasted a little bit and found it all too easy. And then that was the same with when he was at Celtic and clearly he was a phenomenal player. Uh, why it took so long for English clubs to come because kind of like, oh, he's a bit casual and it's like it's not. He's just fine. So that's the impression I get from reading the comments from his coaches that kind of said like, yeah, this is why he wasn't getting picked up because it was almost too easy that he was just mm. doing enough to get through games. And then it was only picked up kind of under 17, I think when he started with Ireland Um then he started, he got a lot of trials. Um, if memory serves, it was kind of Birmingham, Stoke, Rotherham and kept coming back. And they said no. And I think he had three with Norwich before they said, yeah. And funnily enough, they lost six nil in the game against Chelsea and you're going right. I'm not going to get picked this time, but they said, yeah, we'll take you. Um, because they obviously saw something in him at that stage. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's hard to describe what an impact he's made to the Irish squad in general. Um, so that, that this really interests me because I think, obviously, when you're watching Norwich City, a lot of Norwich City fans are, are only really, I mean, they're, they're paying vague attention to what the team's doing international duty, but it's impossible if you're not supporting that country or following that country to be aware of not not so much just the performances or what they do in the games themselves, but but the effect they have in a more general sense. So actually give us a bit on Omo Bamadeli about that and then Adamida as well, just the kind of more cultural, wider ramifications of it. Yeah, well, look, in, in Ireland, it's great because we have all these guys coming through. Bazunu, who people probably aren't aware of as I've much commented right a lot of Gavin Bazunu games. Funnily enough, the last one I did, he had an absolute how two howlers actually against yeah. Switch. But yeah, yeah. he's a brilliant goalkeeper. Oh, on loan for Rochdale last season, he was in, yeah, insanely yeah. good. So he, he's been incredible for Ireland as well. Um, so you have all these guys, uh, Chidozi Ogbeni as well, um, who are coming through, who are reflecting wider Irish society and the you know the, the people who came to live in Ireland when the economy got a bit better. And um, you have the likes of Ida and Humble uh, Memory Delhi, fathers from Nigeria. And so you're seeing that, you know, so we're really proud of that, that, you know, we're seeing a real proper um, Absolutely. reflection you should be, of our, our society. And these guys are coming through their trailblazers. They're all, the, the, a lot of them are, are such, um, they just all seem like great uh, role models and, and mature beyond their years sort of thing, you know? I, so, I think that happens with, with football players now more generally. They do seem to mature a bit quicker because of just, I mean, the, maybe, maybe the pressures of the modern game probably yeah, have a factor. Yeah. And and the fact that you now need to, you now need to comport yourself as a disciplined elite athlete from, from a very young age if you want to reach the level, even, even the... The, the sort of fledgling just about to 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 capitalise on their potential maybe level that Omo Bamadeli and Ida are at. To even get to that point, you need to be yeah. incredibly disciplined and incredibly mature at a young age now. But yeah, there's what what's what's been the wider impact though of them and what they've kind of meant to Ireland as a team. So you, you mentioned sort of in the, in the kind of cultural side, but I mean I mean more within the squad, within the fandom as well of Irish football. Look, we love um like like any uh, football supporter, you want to see whether it's a club or a country. You love seeing your, your these new guys coming through that you get excited about, and um, the, more so. Ida was part of that twenty one setup. Romy Delhi sort of skipped it, but that twenty one team went pretty close to uh, qualification for the Euros. We never qualified for the Euros, 
and funnily enough, the pandemic and um, just the fact that so many of the younger lads ended up getting called up for the senior team sort of scuppered our chances. But for a while, it's such an exciting under-21 team. When you think Creven Keller's doing really well at Liverpool as well, yep. as another really good young player of, of that um, age group. And you see these guys coming through. He did, he did, I think he got it was a five goals in 12 games for the under-21s. Um, but but you see you see the the pitfalls as well. So we got really excited about Troy Parrish. We were getting really excited about Aaron Connolly, two really good attacking players who will hopefully still come good. You know, um, they'll have careers. But maybe the fact that Omo Bamadeli needs are at Norwich City is better because yeah. there's more chance of getting a chance. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, especially Troy Parrish. There's just so much pressure placed on him. At Spurs, um, because we had it before, I suppose, although Robbie Keane came through at Coventry, you'd associate him with, um, you know, the, the, the bigger teams. That's a lot uh, to build them for a young man. You know, it's it's the next Zidane or it's the next, you know, Messi or whoever. There's all, it, it, gets, it starts sooner and sooner with these young guys now. And I think that's, especially attacking players, it's, it hasn't helped in Ireland because you're taking over from Robbie Keane. So he is suffering from that comparison. Because people are suddenly going, oh, Robbie Keane got, what was it, 68 international goals, whatever it was, which is unheard of. Before he was around, our record was 19, 20, something like that. Yeah. No, Quinn and John Aldridge, you know. Um, so, it's it's and to me, it's just, I've studied this a lot. You see different countries, different different approaches. Actually, Omar Bambideli's team, under-17's team, played Belgium in the Euros mm-hmm. two years ago. Drew one all, went out of the group, should have gone through, but that Belgium team had a guy called Jeremy Toku uh, playing yes. for them, who is another guy who's suffered because of injuries. I did the Belgian league a lot, and I saw him coming through, and over the course of six months where he was playing every week for Anderlecht, he's going from kind of, yeah, he's, just, he's pretty good, he's raw, to Jesus. Like, he's made so much progress in six months, he's incredible. So, like, that's when I remember tweeting out <laughs> one of the few things I got right, right? <laughs> Italy, Belgium, I said, I just tweeted out a lot of people are going to be talking about Jeremy Doku after. What's happened to him after that game where he was sensational, won the penalty, got a bad injury with Ren, so his progress is stalled. So there's so many things that can go and, and, and like obviously talks of an, a massive move prior to that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so... he was at Liverpool. He was at Liverpool. He was showing around, met Klopp, met Gerrard, but decided to stay But Bayern as well were, were, were really oh, were close Pretty there. much everyone. Pretty much everyone. Right. So that's, but he, he made, and, and that's a comparison maybe with Norwich, he made the decision to say, no, I'll stay with Anderlecht, smaller team, and, and even after leaving Anderlecht, so Liverpool was like when he was 16, was he going to go there? And Klopp's telling him, you can be the next Manny. That's how I see you potentially being uh, progressing that way. So he went to go, no, we'll, we'll play more at Anderlecht. And then same with Ren. He went, well, Ren are in the Champions League. I'll go there. It's the next step up. So that's... There's that's something the to be said for that, though, because going back ah, to the Virgil really. van Dijk comparison, going Groningen, going um, Celtic, Southampton, and then Liverpool. Yeah. He's walked into Liverpool, and he's yeah. pretty quickly the best defender in the world. Yeah, probably should have gone maybe a year before from Southampton to Liverpool, maybe. But but no, that's... that's So that's... From from studying it, like the Belgians, especially, they back in 2000s, it was all about just getting, you know, how are we getting these guys' games? We've got to get these guys' games. I interviewed the Belgian manager after that 17s match, for example, and he said... 
that game in front of 5,000 fans in the European Championship is way better than like 10 under 23 matches or whatever. So this is mm. this is where it becomes an issue for me and a worry for me. Is Adamita, are we going to be talking about Adamita at the end of the season and saying, well, he's got, you know, he got on 14 times as a sub, made two starts, started against Liverpool in the League Cup, started against... I think a lot of that's in Adamita's hands, though, because... If, it is. So, first thing is, if Temu Puki was to get injured, I would say he was next man up at this point, right? But if Temu Puki stays fit, then it's up to either to seize his chance if he gets it. And he will get a chance due to load management, due to cup games, whatever. There will be chances. He's got to make sure, both in terms of on the field, taking the chances and seizing the opportunity. He's got to make sure that he does that. And that's so that, that's where it's in Adamita's hands. In a way, it's a bit easier to do that as a striker than it is as a defender because as a defender, you're kind of reliant on the committee around you. Sometimes they can just change it because the defence as a whole hasn't worked rather than you necessarily um, yourself. And and to be honest, that's what's happened with Omobama Delhi. They've gone back to the the, the fact that Grant Hanley's the captain. Him and Gibson were a really good partnership last season, record-breaking partnership in fact in the championship so I, I think that that factor has has kind of played against Om Obama Delhi. I'm almost more worried for him you know Mark I, I kind of think I, I mean I think he'll be really good but yeah, I want yeah. to see him get the football that, that could make him a proper world beater um, yeah. Stuart uh, in the comments said Om Obama Delhi, I firmly believe will be at Buendia value cost because he has zero fear and does not let things get on top of him and that is that's an interesting thing. The last thing I want to talk about about these two, because I know you need to wrap up fairly soon, is mentality. So do mm-hmm. you, talking about both of them separately, um, go with Omo Bamadeli first. I think he's got the mentality to definitely be a very good player at Norwich City and probably at a higher level. Adam Ida, this is no harm in the kid, but I've still got a question about him. because And, it's hard, and that's where it's harder as a striker. Because yeah. having the mentality to get over those those patches where you don't score, those those patches where you're coming off the bench and just getting fits and starts and little nibbles at it, it's harder as a striker to make an impact. You're more likely to play 90 minutes as a defender than you are as a striker. You're on the fringes. So that's where the mentality comes in. And it's almost more important for Ida. Um, and I think that, I mean, we all know Bamadelli, we've probably covered that. He, he does seem to have that character. Ida. What do you think of the mentality in that side of it? Because for me, that's what's going to make or break up. Yeah, well, Omar Delhi, I think, has a bit more time on his side. Again, this is we're talking about a guy who's made 20 appearances, senior level, international and club combined. So that's what he's produced already. So um, I think he still has a bit more time. Hopefully, he'll, he'll get his share of games this season. But again, if he only gets 10 games from here, you know that's probably still fine for where he's at, but it's it's been a problem, especially for for Ireland in the last few years, is that issue of guys being great up to under seven uh, seventeen, say, and then all sorts of things can happen. You need a bit of luck, but um, you need games, and I think Ida's at that stage where he needs games, and I really hope that Dean Smith taking over is going to give him more of a chance, and um, and as well that last that half an hour even he had a bit of a spat with Fabian Cher 
you know, that was that was good. I like that from him. You're talking Me about too. mentality. Do you know, that's that's what you want to see. You want to, he's not backing down there. He, he feels he belongs. He feels he has a right to, and Cher was an embarrassment rolling around after being, you know. Oh, me, I hate the fact the modern game's become defenders yeah, course, doing that's become the norm. So, so with Ida, I think the big thing is games, and we were talking about it in, in Ireland the last couple of months, um, you know, because he was getting, as I say, just something that's not going to help a player at his stage, uh, his stage of his development. One or two minutes here and there. That's that's not going to help him because uh, he's not got time to show what he can do, get a feel for it, uh, and it's not going to help his confidence. I think either because you know that's that's all I'm good for. So do, do you think so. he's got the metal to to do it? And do you think it? Do you think if it got to the end of this season and he hadn't made a proper first team impact that you'd maybe be looking at? loan move next year or maybe yeah, I, I, I was thinking else. before you know uh, what are we yeah a couple of months ago I was thinking he has to move on loan in January because you know was he was he kept around last season just in case Pookie gets injured you know, well that, that's the problem when you've got such a talisman isn't it yeah no it's it's a talisman and you just play one guy through the middle so he's 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 unlucky in that sense but there comes a time and I think Aaron Connolly's another guy, Irish guy we could talk about, where if you're not getting a look in, Aaron Connolly's case, I think it's because he hasn't done it enough at club level when he has got the chances. But with Ida, it's like, right, he's at an age where he hasn't got enough time to show what he can do. Do you know what I mean? So That's it, and it's development and, and look, curve, it's, isn't it? Exactly, right. So you see all these young guys, and Josh Sargent, as I said, is the perfect example. He's got 60 games in the last two years behind him in the Bundesliga. I have absolutely no doubt if Adamida went on loan to Hoffenheim, whoever, you know, whatever team in the Bundesliga, he would get games, he'd score goals, he'd grow as a player, he'd get confidence. Is that going to happen at Norwich? No, it's different if he's getting what he got yesterday. Do you know what I mean? If he's getting a fair crack of the whip and he's getting half an hour, then we can tell. Do you know what I mean? Then and that, by the way, that's the managerial change for you. So I think Dean Smith is going to give him a fair crack of the whip, and that's I what so, I want to like, see. It also says a lot, I think, that Stuart Weber has always kept him around because he believes in him and he thinks yeah. he's got the ability to impact it when he does come in. So yeah. I think that's that's obviously a factor there, and it's just about either getting those chances, taking those chances. It was another reason that, that the club had to move on from Daniel Farker because so many players were becoming just out in the cold, disenfranchised with the, with the whole thing. So I, I think that's the case with Ida. Last thing I want to talk about, Mark, and I could not go my first podcast with a man from the Emerald Isle and not ask about the mercurial figure. Once on an Norwich City commentary about this player, I said <laughs> uh, he, he came through the ranks in Ireland, but he looks like he would have come through La Masia. And that is Mr. Wes Houlihan, who's still absolutely bossing games in League One at 39 years old. He's quality, mate. He is one of the most aesthetically pleasing footballers. And I've commented like a considerably higher level of game than Norwich. No as much as you, mind you. But I have commentated teams at Champions League level in their domestic leagues before, and I can't think of many players that were, were more joyous in the eye than Wes Houlihan. How revered is he by, by Irish fans? Wait, mate, Wes <laughs> um, Yeah, no, look, he's he's up there. He's, he's, we've had a few players of that that have just been 
not used as much as they should have been. I think he, he came through at the wrong time. If he's come through a couple of years later, when Barcelona and Spain have done their thing, and um, you know it's you know he definitely suffered from that. Uh, yeah, look, he's doing well for Shelburne, but he's small, isn't he? You know, so I, I saw him. Shelburne nearly got to the Champions League group stage one year. They drew nil all against Deportivo La Coruña at home, and he was brilliant in that game. And uh, you know. Which, which Deportivo vintage was that? Was it Aldo Dusha sort of vintage, or is it a bit it after was, that? What was, the, what was the bald striker they had up top? His name escapes me now. Um, oh, that's going to annoy me. Walter, As, Walter. They had, they had Roy Mackay, and then they moved on for him, didn't they? Uh, so, aye, no, leave that with me. Pandiani. Something, oh, Jesus, why is it? I think it was Pandiani. Do you know what this is? Pandiani, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was Pandiani. Aye. I think he got, a, he got a goal or two in the second leg. Lost second leg 3 0 anyway. But um, no, like Wes was whatever age he was then, 16. Yeah, he was still 16 years ago. He was 20. So he's getting on even at that stage, you know, and he's still in Ireland. And it was, I think it was Paul Lambert took him to Livingston. Yes, that's right. And then Blackpool and then Norwich. Um, so he had to work his way up. like. Um, mm-hmm. And to be fair to Martin O'Neill, loads of people slaughtered Martin O'Neill for um, not playing him enough, but he played him way more than any other Irish manager did. And he, he did help us get to Euro 2016 and he scored at Euro 2016. Oh, one Sweden, you know, great goal as well. And it, it was just it was just magic that he was there. And speaking speaking of magic, I remember seeing Alex Neil actually on your pod talking about him and saying like he was a magician, and my job was to get him in areas, you know, where he could he could work his magic. I think he has five or six assists in twelve games this season still in League One. Do you know what, mate? I was doing. Cam- I I I do some EFL commentary at the moment. I was doing Cambridge the other night, and they're obviously managing like the games that he plays. And he, it was a rest night, and I was. Yeah. Absolutely spewing, man. Like yeah. honestly, like I, I did a game last year as well. Uh, it was a, it was one of those like properly foggy, could not see a thing, right? And I'm, you know, yourself, and I was doing it what we call off tube, so uh, trying to watch it on a screen, trying yeah. to identify who players were with with basically no identifiable factors other than the vague area of the pitch that they're in and the direction that they're running in. But when the ball was with Wes, it was glued to a wee guy's left foot, and he was just had complete, complete control. It was it was his to 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 leave you spellbound with. So I would be going, "Yep, uh, good passing move here." Like, trying to buy time as I, I try to know who the players are. Hulahan, like yeah. uh, you would know when it was Wes, and I like as a as a player. I I mean honestly, that fans of this podcast know. My, my season as the Nordic City commentator, I, I wasn't the most polished back then, but it's still the most joyous season that I've ever had commentating in games. And Wes was a massive part of that. He was a massive, yeah, massive he, part of that. He's, a, he's, he's like an old street footballer, but he played a lot of futsal when he was younger as well. That's something every country should be investing in. Um, so that's, and, and funnily enough, if you read about it, if you read interviews of guys and uh, Gio Reyna, all these different guys mm-hmm. around Europe, they'll, they'll say play fo- football when I was younger. And, you know, it's any guy with such good close control. And that's that's uh, usually one reason for it. But 43 caps for Ireland, you know, if you're if you're talking now, you're 
and to be fair, Stephen Kenny, we're playing a lot more progressive football under under Kenny, and it's starting to bear fruit. We're actually missing Wes Hoolan. Like that's if we had him, it would be perfect with the rest of the guys around him because that's what you want. You would build a team around him now, whereas you know back then it, it wasn't happening. You know, so even Norwich are missing missing Wes Hoolan this season or Wendy or whoever. That's that's who they were kind of missing last night. I thought as well, just someone to. Akita running around the box, you're not wrong. Um, it's the role we want to see Billy Gilmore step into, definitely. Last one for you, Mark, Um, because I'll let you go now, because we're uh, definitely into stoppage time in terms of the time you told me. <laughs> Do you think Norwich City stay up based on what you've seen so far this season, and particularly, obviously, seeing the team at close quarters last night? Uh, the worry, and, and I could see the uh, Dean Smith was anxious. He was looking very anxious on the sideline last night as the game went on. The worry is, are they going to have too many games like that? Like Wolves, where they had big chances yeah. and they didn't score. And like last night, where, you know, it's not going to happen very often where you get 80 minutes against 10 men and against a team that's been struggling. That is the worry, but if you asked me that, what, six weeks ago, I would have said, you're having a lot. Oh, I mean, we were down by a... Like a stone, right? Oh, but they're four, they're four games unbeaten, so why not at this stage, you know? And, and the home form is obviously going to be key. Uh, so they took four points against Newcastle two years ago, so judging them against Newcastle is probably not the best thing to do, but <laughs> you're, you're picking up the points, do you know what I mean? Whereas if you're in with a fighting chance now, only three points behind Watford, four off Southampton. There's there's teams there that can be can be sucked in, you know. Even Brentford, Crystal Palace, great starts, whatever. But it's not going to take too much, I don't think. And if you play, you've already beaten Brentford. But those kind of teams, if you can beat them, I I I think it'll be very tight. I think you've given yourselves a better chance with Dean Smith because he's been there with Villa as well. To be honest, he's he survived a relegation scrap, so seasoned veteran of the. I think it might it might go down to the last day or two. Do you, do you know? I think if we can go into the final match day with a chance, I think every Norwich City fan in Christendom would have taken that. Uh, okay, definitely a few from weeks. That, ago. From that point of view, last night is not a bad result. You know, keeps the keeps the uh, unbeaten run going. That was the key thing New, for me. Newcastle, Newcastle are in big, big trouble. You know, so uh, they, they're a poor side. Brentford are not. The, the the site I mean the the start masks a lot of a lot of problems. Yeah, they they'll get goals, right? That's the thing with them. They will get goals. Yeah, and so, that's the big problem. Was, give us Ivan Tony, and we'll finish fourteenth yeah. probably. But yeah. um, I, I mean to be honest, you actually want to see a bit more from him if you're a Brentford fan. But I, I do feel he's going to go on some sort of spot at some point. But I do think Brentford maybe a worse team than us. Watford maybe a worse team than us. I think Leeds. If Rafinha goes in January, which has been mooted, yeah. then I think they're in a lot of bother. I, th- as I well. think they got they got a couple of wins there recently, like last night as well. That are absolutely vital. They were they were. That's it. It was a last minute like, goal as well, as well wasn't it? Yeah, they're not, but yeah. they're not scoring goals. They're scoring about one a game, and despite Rafinha, if Rafinha's not there, like I say, it's it's uh, it's a different story. So yeah, I think I think it's going to be tight in general. You know, it's I don't think there's going to be anyone cut adrift too early. Well, we looked like that team. Fortunately, we're not now. Mark, can I just thank you, mate? Listen, no worries, I, wish we'd, I wish we'd a bit longer to catch up, but we'll, we'll need to definitely do that. I, I do a few different types of podcasts now, mate. You know your football inside out. We'll probably get you back on one. But let's catch up and Zoom or something, mate. And yeah, listen yeah. to all you Norwich fans that have watched and listened to the content. 
over the past few weeks. I think I've been oversaturating you with contents. I might have a wee break after tomorrow night's Hack and Tackle podcast. Goodness knows I need one. But um, yes, thank you very much to everyone who supported in the live talk along space. By the way, Mark, that might interest you. When you were doing your professional commentary last night, I was doing a talk along on a Twitter space, which um, I, I was kind of getting commentary to Can you say that in English? Uh, so I'll, <laughs> I well no. Uh, Talk so, along in a Twitter space, right? So you know, do you know about Twitter spaces? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So I was doing a talk along. So you know, you get people do watch along. Ah, yeah, 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 I was yeah, talking yeah. along to the Amazon. I wish I'd Irish Premier Sports actually now, yeah. but um, aye, to the I Amazon Prime know, okay, coverage yeah. doing rubbish, Alan Sheeran impressions, slagging him, slagging Mark Clattenburg. And then developing some sort of commentary to Rets whenever we get near the, the penalty box, which fortunately wasn't too often for um, the people that <laughs> listened in. But aye, um, the live talk along was great fun. Thank you to everyone who contributed to that. Thank you to everyone who's followed my Twitter. If you have enjoyed the podcast tonight, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash hack. You can find me on all the social media. Hodge or Nodge, if you're listening on the podcast version, then please do give us a wee rating on there and make sure and subscribe to the audio podcast as well. But thank you, everyone, for listening tonight. And thank you to Mark for coming on. And on the ball, City, come on, you yellows.